0: There were times where I would do better at practice than at meets. And I've, I've told you this off the mic, but like, there was a point where I convinced myself that I had like drained my adrenaline. I had no adrenaline left in me because I had like years of competitive swimming. And like, that's just not true. <laughs>
1: Welcome to 80-20 Endurance, the podcast that's 80% perfect flip turns and 20% missing the wall. My name is Matt Fitzgerald.
0: And I'm Hannah Hunstead.
1: And we will be your hosts. And I say will be because this is our debut episode. Woohoo! Wow, really enthusiastic.
0: <laughs> I was up all night so, thinking whether I should say yay or woohoo. So you okay, got woo-hoo. well,
1: all right, we'll just roll on with that. Actually... Yeah, now that we're on the subject, I feel like everyone knows who I am because I'm a world famous endurance author. Mm. But Hannah may be less familiar to people. We're going to change that in a hurry. We're all about transparency here on 8020 Endurance. So in the spirit of transparency, I will disclose to listeners that Hannah is actually my niece, (sighs) my brother, Michael Phelps. You can call it nepotism you can call it what you want but hannah is my brother michael phelps's oldest daughter this is all i came to be is it
0: (laughs) yes for any of those listening don't go looking at the family tree i will not be on there
1: (laughs) okay so who are you hannah
0: age 26 I work with you at 8020 Endurance, which has been super fun. Started in March of this year, so only been about two and a half months-ish. But I do the social media, any of the customer service, the ambassador program, which we just launched, we, we put that together, and a lot of the like operational work behind the scenes too. Any way we can grow our athletic community that's me.
1: You know, I have to, you know, trying to put myself in your shoes. If I were speaking to world famous endurance sports author, Matt Fitzgerald on a, on the debut <laughs> episode of a podcast that I was co-hosting, I might be a little nervous. Like how nervous are you right now on a scale of one to 10?
0: I'm probably like a 5.5. 5.
1: That's a little nervous. I mean, that's more than zero. You were, you were probably closer to zero when you had but you didn't have breakfast this morning because you had a blood draw, but that's a topic for another time. So, five point five is closer to ten than than zero. So, you're an athlete. We'll get into that in a second. With me, when I when I'm feeling anxious about anything, I bring my athlete's mindset to dealing with it. How about you? Is that the case with you in, in a situation like this where you're you're not on a, at a ten, but you're a little anxious? Are you dealing with it like an athlete?
0: Yes. I don't think I know how to not deal with it without the athlete right. mindset. I started swimming when I was super young, which I'm sure is a question you're going to ask me later. But um, No. <laughs> no, we're not even going to talk about that. Not going to talk about the 15 plus years of competitive swimming. But yeah, I think I learned how to deal with nerves and stress in athletics. So any way I can keep myself calm is usually what I resort to versus being super stressed and tense and just trying to remind myself what the situation is. So it's two people having a conversation right now. And at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. So I try to make it more black and white, bring it back to basics.
1: And does it work? I mean, it it, it makes it sensible. It sounds good. But I mean, that's uh, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it actually help to think in those terms?
0: Yes. And I think I developed that even more once I started working full time after I graduated and I would get a bit nervous to do a presentation or something. Like right before I would go up and give the presentation or whatever it was, I would just tell myself like, okay, this is a presentation that I'm giving to 10 people, no matter what level they were at the company, like. We're just humans having conversation about this topic and that's what it is and then it would calm me down
1: so let let's go ahead and dive into your your background you mentioned the swimming and and that's how you developed your ice water in your veins uh first <laughs> situations high pressure situations so you started i mean first of all like where did you grow up and and how early did you get into swimming
0: i grew up in metro detroit michigan in a pretty suburban area. So I started swimming basically just as a family requirement to learn how to swim at the local pool. And that was age, I want to say like age four or three or four, super, super young and absolutely just fell in love with the pool. My parents couldn't get me out of the water. I was always asking to go swim. I ended up joining the swim team at the youngest age that was allowed, which I think was like age six or something, and never really stopped. So I only did one other sport, two seasons of lacrosse in high school, just kind of for fun to, to do something else, but stuck with swimming throughout my life really up until college when I graduated. And then even then I didn't really drop it because I Started to get into triathlon and and taught a swimming class in Boston, so never really got rid of it.
1: <laughs> so I, I sort of hate you a little bit because oh, no. as uh, as a, as an on again off again triathlete who sucks at swimming, you know I I I'm jealous of. Hate is a very strong word. I don't it hate i I'm, I'm jealous of your early start in in swimming as of anyone who got you know. I think of it as being like learning a language. You're such a sponge uh, with with languages and swimming it seems like when you're five, six, seven, eight years old. I know that like um, you can't you can't make up for a background you don't have, but to what degree can you and and, and how for someone who's comes to swimming or triathlon as an adult and, and just and missed out on, on the opportunity you had.
0: Well, for any ex-swimmers out there that need an ego boost about their athleticism start doing triathlon because (laughs) everyone will think that you should have gone to the olympics by posting up what you probably think if you were a college level even high school level swimmer as like a mediocre time so you need an ego (laughs) boost (laughs) that's how you get it done but to answer your question technique is a huge part of swimming and i was lucky that I developed really good technique at a young age, and I credit a lot of my, if not all success, of my swimming career to that technique. it's It's like a pretty intricate sport in that aspect. It seems like you can kind of muscle through, and there are definitely some people that can. But I mean, if you watch the Olympics, these people are just gliding through the water. So technique is super important, but I think the biggest hurdle for an adult swimmer, trying to get into swimming whether it be triathlon or masters is really just being comfortable in the water and not freaking out maybe this comes from that athlete mentality too but it's a totally different environment than anything like running and biking outside baseballs outside you know this is you're under the water you can't breathe and you're trying to stay afloat and like all of these things are happening that you don't normally deal with when you're doing other sorts of athletics so the environment is just so different and i have seen in my experience of trying to help swimmers in their adult years with their technique or their swimming ability is just that comfortability that they are missing and that you have to learn just by repetitions of getting in the pool and being in the water
1: so i happen to know that you're going through the process of getting uh you S, masters swimming certification. You've gone through level one, you're teeing up level two. Does this mean that you're, you're going to coach swimmers?
0: Mm, we'll see. This is a teaser for maybe an 80-20 swim program, but that would be the avenue that I would choose to go down. Going through that certification program was actually super helpful because... For someone who's developed technique at a super young age, like you said, it's like a language and it kind of just happened naturally. I couldn't tell you how I learned how to do the butterfly stroke. I was like five years old, you know. (laughs) So it is hard for me to teach people that. At first it was. I think I've picked up a few more skills with that course and just having to figure out how to communicate with these adult swimmers, whether it be friends or family, that have gotten into triathlon, that have come to me with questions. It was very apparent at first that I knew nothing about coaching. So <laughs> we've just definitely float. made progress. Just, just float. Yes. All you got to do is float. That was a direct just do quote. what I'm doing. <laughs> that was a direct <laughs> quote that I gave my brother. Direct advice I gave my brother one time was to simply float. I was like, okay, well, step one, you just need to be floating in the water. I don't understand the problem here. He was like, well, that's what I need help on. So yeah, that was an eye opening experience going to the pool with him.
1: <laughs> I, I never got past step one either. I mean, you can swim without being able to float, but it sure helps if you can.
0: Yes. Yeah, sure helps if you can float. That's why people love the wetsuits.
1: Yes. So what, what was your stroke specialization? People are probably just picturing freestyle. You mentioned butterfly, but you know there are, there are four of them. What was your deal?
0: Definitely not butterfly. <laughs> I was a backstroker through age group, middle school, high school, and then about halfway through college, I flipped and got into freestyle, same distance as mid distance, the 200 specifically. So yeah, flip flop from my back to my stomach, I guess, but majority of practices are in freestyle. I, I don't really know why I switched in college. I kind of hit a plateau and I think I was just over it. Like I needed a change in training especially like i really liked focusing on the freestyle part of it
1: so i'm curious like just trying to imagine like if if i had been a swimmer like what would i have specialized in and there's got to be some kind of like basis for i mean they're very different breaststroke is just nothing like backstroke so what determines which direction you end up going in i mean they're the im people who are i guess mediocre at everything
0: It's a good question. I think part of it is when you get to a more competitive level, it's your body type. So for me, breaststroke, my knees are like a bit knock-kneed, and I could never get the kick down. Breaststroke was just my worst stroke by far. In college, I actually started doing butterfly kick during the breaststroke stroke just so i could make the intervals for our im sets because i was horrible at it so body type plays a role in that for sure i think when you're little what are you doing the best at and then you get put in those training groups when you have a stroke focused practice you go with the butterflies because the past three meets, you've done super well at that. So kind of test the waters when you're little and get into a flow. And then I think you just kind of stick there unless you hit a plateau like I did and have to change
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's just kind of how it works with sports in general. Like everyone Mm -hmm. is a sucker for what they're good at or what comes naturally. Like I became a runner because I sucked at every other sport. Like you put a ball in front of me it's just nothing good was going to happen oh yeah Uh, you don't
0: want to see that with me either no hand-eye coordination (laughs) really
1: (laughs) so you know why didn't you go to the olympics you know you're a triathlete now and you know people the average triathlete is going to look at your swim times and say oh you must have gone to the olympics but you didn't and that's kind of a naive perspective like i'm obviously you were good i mean (laughs) but maybe not olympics good
0: well, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but swimming, similar to running, it's super selective for the Olympic team, one, um, and two, just to be blunt, I just wasn't fast enough. I didn't have an Olympic trial time to even get there, but I was super good in, in middle school and in high school where like I'd be dropping seconds every meet top in the state was competing with the best in the state in Michigan, which is pretty competitive swimming state. And I just hit at this plateau in in puberty was number one, where mentally too, I think that kind of shook me. So every female's body changes and I just kind of stopped getting faster for a while, which was much different than the trajectory that I was on before that so that kind of messed with me just based off my times but also mentally too I was like whoa well, I used to be like the best at every single meet until we got to the zones and the, the nationwide meets I kind of had to rearrange how I attack meets how I attack practice and what swimming means to me and had to shift like okay well now I probably can't go to any college i want to swim at so that's not that attainable anymore like where does swimming now fall in my life like what does this mean to me and ended up having a pretty healthy balance with that i started being more involved in things at school in high school and had a more healthy balance of athletics and other normal kid things and then by the time senior year rolled around started dropping time again which was great for my mental health but also just me and the sport I fell in love with the sport again in high school we had a really good high school team so that was super fun a really close relationship with my club coach so like the environment of the swimming world was still really healthy and positive by the time senior year rolled around I dropped another chunk of time which had been a while since I'd done that kind of unfortunate timing because recruiting takes place junior year-ish Um, the beginning of senior year, and so not to say where I ended up was a second place school or like a fallback, but like I said, I kind of had to reframe that mindset even before senior year of like, how can I get to the best school for me, which I ended up at, so (laughs) couldn't have been happier with that.
1: Boston College, yes?
0: Yes. Go Eags.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I find that interesting because, you know, when you know, I'm, I'm huge on the, the psychology of endurance sports, the, the importance of a strong mental game. But when everything's going your way, you don't necessarily need to have a strong mental game. And maybe you know, that was your first few years in the sport, and then you hit that plateau. And you didn't want that to happen to yourself, but, but it did. But it seems like it, it was an opportunity to work on some... Your mental skills and, and just even processing things like what does being an athlete mean to me and it's not like you quit so you get to that work that you did to come to terms with your kind of new relationship with swimming you get to carry that forward i, I mean is that true do you feel like you're even today benefiting from from some of the stuff you gained on on the mental level in, in dealing with that challenge
0: for sure sometimes i actually think about like could I have done anything to not make that plateau happen? And it's kind of hard to look back and be like, okay, I could have changed this 13, 14-year-old girl's mental game. Like, There's so much happening at that point in time. I think I got scared of the pain was one thing, so I wish I could have been a bit more strong and willed about, about handling that sort of thing. But again, that's like part of the process. It took me to where I was now. But yeah, I think I have a good handle balancing athletics and endurance sports in my life now where, I mean, triathlon takes a huge amount of training time. You have three disciplines. Like it's kind of a selfish move to take part in these longer endurance sports. And so balancing that is not a huge issue for me. Making sure that, it's not like consuming my entire life and so i think i credit that to that sort of shift that i had at a younger age and realizing that you know you're not god's gift to the earth by being an athlete <laughs> and like posting a pretty good time in your triathlon <laughs> like sure it's important to you but what are the other things in your life that you've got going on
1: Yeah, I remember talking to uh, Kara Goucher once, the the runner, and she she went through something similar. She was really good, and then she kind of plateaued in adolescence. And then, of course, she ends up becoming a professional runner, going to the Olympics, doing great. I remember her telling me, I wish that I could talk to my 14-year-old self and and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Just hang in there. For you, I mean, it's a little different because as we've said you didn't go to the olympics but but yeah. maybe there is still something that if you did have that opportunity to sit down with your 13 14 year old self you would have something useful to offer would you and, and what might that be
0: yes i think it almost would have been a bit more of all right you've got the balance down you are more involved in things at school but i kind of like pushed away that feeling of not dealing with the pain so much like there were times where i would do better at practice than at meets and i've, I've told you this off the mic but like it <laughs> was a point where i convinced myself that i had like drained my adrenaline i had no adrenaline left in me because i had like years of competitive swimming and like that's just not true so i would get to meets and be like this is gonna hurt but it's just like another meet they kind of just became things that I had to do versus like actually falling in love with not the sport again because I kind of did that but almost that competitiveness that every athlete has and so I kind of had to get that back too. I probably would have sat down with her and maybe shaken her a little bit and been like all right <laughs> you, you do this at practice like where is it at the meets this is where it counts um, and had a I a stern talking with her, probably.
1: <laughs> you know, I have talked to some swimmers who, you know, they they do the youth thing, the high school thing, the college thing, and then they graduate and they're kind of left high and dry. And, and you know, it, you know it's, it's not too unusual for, for some to, to have a little bit of regret. It's like, what do I have to show for all of this? Like a lot of staring at a black line. And now I'm 22, an ex-athlete. And... What was that all about? But I gather that we'll get into triathlon in a second, but I gather, you know, that was that isn't the case with you that you feel for the most part, it was time well spent. But uh, can you articulate what's, what swimming gave you over those years?
0: Mm, That's a deep one. I, I do have to second you and say that I would say majority of swimmers probably think what was all this for. Um, At least like my view, a lot of college swimmers, they just get burnt out. I mean, a lot of the top swimmers that I knew from high school and my age group days didn't finish their four years out. Um, And I'm sure it's similar with running, I would presume, but it's tough staring at a black line for that many hours, (laughs) to be honest. But what did it give me... I think that sort of mundane sport of staring at the black line and, and going back and forth and kind of having the same practices over and over again, similar to like a, a track workout I, is my guess. There's no distractions and it's just, up it's up to you. So it's a very like individual sport in that sense, but a team game at the same time, so you're still on this team you're still fighting for this win especially in in more like high school college versus club swimming but you have that team aspect about working together getting to this win or whatever it may be but it's still kind of like up to you and your personal success so that dynamic i think helped me a lot in relationships with people and working on teams knowing like my strengths specifically and how to best use them in a team setting and also encouraging my teammates to find that within themselves and get us to the win
1: yeah earlier in our conversation you mentioned that if any you know ex-swimmer needed an ego boost they should take up triathlon It seems like a second reason based on what you just said for ex-swimmers to take up triathlon would be to sort of like make the whole thing make sense. (laughs) Like, okay, that's what all those years of staring at a black line were for. In any case, like you got into triathlon. How did that come about for you?
0: So I never had the point where I fell out of love with the sport. I think at certain times fell out of love with being hyper competitive and having to to be competitive a lot more than falling out of love with the water and and the sport of swimming. So luckily that never happened to me and I knew when I graduated like I said there were some people that were like can't wait to never swim again you know like I can't wait for my last race and that was not the case for me. I knew I was really going to miss the sport. I knew I was going to miss swimming but on the same token. I also knew that I didn't want to just dive in, pun intended, to master swimming and have more of the same. So I signed up for an Olympic distance triathlon. I had done some sprint triathlons in high school just for fun. I just thought this would be a good way to keep up with my fitness and keep swimming in the loop, but not have it be the main focus anymore. And enjoyed that race, I guess. Actually, I didn't really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the hook. That is the hook. (laughs) Awful. When can I do it again?
0: Yeah, I don't know really why I came back to it. The swim was canceled and in place of it, we had a beach run, which at the time I just despised running. And so doing that on sand and it was like raining. I don't know why I came back, but I think it was like, having an event and having something to train for also really motivates me. So I was like, all right, well, I did the Olympic, you know, didn't love it, but what's the next step? Like, can I do that? So (laughs) signed up for the half Ironman. Actually, my brother gave the registration to me as a Christmas gift. um, And he ended up getting into it, his wife did. So now it's kind of like somewhat of a family thing, which is super fun. And Again, the first 70.3 I did was not enjoyable either. My training was really bad, and the swim was canceled once again. (laughs) But I signed up for another one. I don't know why I kept coming back. And the second one was a lot better. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just – maybe I actually don't like it, and I'm just trying to find, like, the good race. We'll find out.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, you and I, and this is not, this is fairly recent history, and this is, we're not talking about that long ago. You and I have only known each other for a few short, short months. My business partner, David Warden and I, the two people that made up eighty twenty 20 Endurance up to that point, we knew we needed help. We went through the hiring process. That's how you came into our universe. What was going on in your life at that time and what led you to us? What led
0: me to the application was a pop-up on your website, and I was looking (laughs) for a training plan, knowing the pools were closed, it was winter, couldn't really find anywhere outside to swim, so I wanted a training program for an upcoming triathlon that I had, and I'd read the 80-20 books before, so I was just looking into that, and there was a pop-up there, but in my life personally at that time, I was about to place a purchase order of units for an exfoliant product for your body that I created for a company called Grit, which I was the solo founder of that, which I'd been doing for the past eight-ish months on my own. So working and developing and building that business out and chose to take a step back from that for like two weeks and just paused and thought like, okay, once I purchase these units I'm gonna have to sell them like it's actual go time on like another level so (laughs) is this what I really want to do with my career or is my heart not really in it and so was looking around for jobs like casually and I was also a fitness instructor on the side so I really missed fitness being a part of my life although my company Grit had that embedded in the philosophy and the mission, it wasn't necessarily the direct outcome of the products that we were making. So I saw that you guys needed someone and read the job <laughs> description, and it was pretty in line with my interests and my background and my skills. So applied, and that interview was actually really fun. So knew we could jive really well, and you guys felt that too and here we are 2 months later launching a podcast together which is kind of crazy
1: Yeah yeah we're I guess we're as we record this we're we're inching toward 3 months since your first day uh, you alluded to it at the top but what are you doing for us and, and how has it been
0: Yeah so in charge of the social media platforms um, working with our current athlete base and trying to grow that fostering a community within everyone that uses our plans and athletes that haven't yet and doing some operational work on the backs, customer service, things of that nature, trying to make us as efficient as possible. But it's been going really well. I mean, we launched that ambassador program that was part of my interview like two months after I was on the job. So being a part of a three-person team, we have the ability to be really nimble and That's kind of what I loved about being my own boss while I was building Grit, but definitely missed working on a team too. So it's great to have you and David. Yeah, just growing the business in general and and we've got a ton of things in the pipeline that will do that.
1: Yes. And one that's just emerging from the pipeline as we speak is this podcast. People who've taken time out of their day to to give us a shot. It's only fair for us to give them some sense of what they can expect. I I sneakily made you the first guest, even though you're your co-host. But this will it'll not be just you and I yammering at each other once a week for years and years, is it? Uh, So uh, what's your half of the vision for this podcast?
0: Yeah, don't worry. There'll be other people involved in this uh, (laughs) crazy project. But my goal for the podcast is to offer diverse and different perspectives for endurance athletes that they may not think of at first. So for example, we'll have a doctor on that deals with pain intolerance, how can they use that information to better their lives in endurance sports and outside of that too? So resources that they might not have even thought about that we can bring them in a fun and entertaining way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For me, you know, it's largely an extension of, you know, my background is in writing and I've, I've always just followed my curiosity. I'm an athlete, I'm a coach. I like to communicate and I've been at this for a long time and am still curious and I feel like maybe the things that I find super interesting and, and that keep me constantly learning about endurance sports aren't necessarily super interesting to everyone but they're, they're interesting to enough people. And it's also the kind of interesting that's like, wow, gee whiz, you know, we discovered a new, a new star. That's not going to change my life. This is the kind of interesting that has a substantive impact on a passion that we all share. We're athletes and we're we're trying to realize our, our potential and just have a, a rich journey in our, our sport of choice. So this is a new medium, and it's pretty awesome. You know, writing is very solitary. So I love that. I've got a co-host, and you and I are going to be doing this together. And you've got stuff that you're interested in. I've got stuff I'm interested in. I hope to God there's a fair amount of overlap between the two.
0: (laughs) We'll find out. Tune in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And quite honestly, I think you know the right way to go about this, and I think more experienced podcasters would say it as well, is like, You don't really decide what it's going to be. I mean, to a certain extent you do, but you just let it take shape in a natural way. And so who knows exactly what it's going to look like in a year.
0: Like I said, we're a nimble, nimble group here. So we can bend as the tides take us down this podcasting stream.
1: You know, one other thing I wanted to touch on is that you're sort of just getting started as a triathlete. You know, I, I had a chance to meet your dad as we're recording. My wife and I just completed a cross country trip and you don't know this Hannah, but your dad pulled me aside at one point, just to say like how happy he was for you. One that you are working for eighty twenty 20 endurance and are enjoying it and are really kicking ass in your role. But he was also excited for your future as an athlete, speaking as like a dad who loves his daughter and wants her to have a cool future. He, he was telling me like, she's going to be really good. And you have a race coming up this week. How are you feeling about it? What's it looking like for you, like your vision for triathlon and, and maybe the Olympics? No, I'm just kidding. Like, wait, wait, where, where do you think this sport Full might circle, take you? people. <laughs> uh,
0: well, first of all, that warms my heart. I think every daughter would be happy to hear that. But in terms of the sport of triathlon, yes, I have a race in, what, four five days? <laughs> In Chattanooga, Tennessee, the first one of this season, so I have two after this. This race specifically, I think, will be a really great benchmark. Like I said, the first two that I did, the swim was canceled, which was a huge mental throw for me. I was relying on that swim for the entire race to to honestly boost my ego and my confidence for the rest of it, to carry me through the, the bike and the run that I was, like, not trained for. Uh, so... That one was kind of a wash. The second one was a bit better, but still was kind of like my full 70.3 that I had ever done with the swim. And that one I had more fun in. So I was like, okay, I know this will be a thing that I enjoy. And then last year with COVID, obviously no races, but got a bit more serious about training. So upped my game on my bike, got a trainer, which was a huge help. And found my footing like how I'm gonna fit in as an athlete in the triathlon space so I think what really helps me is I have that sort of calmness and ability to shut these nerves down and like stress out when I'm racing which I had in swimming as well and I think it kind of hurt me in swimming in the sense where my event 200 backstroke or freestyle was less than two minutes And this is a lot (laughs) longer. So um, I think that will really help me in staying in the game for that long. Um, I think my mental state actually might be set up better for these longer distance races than it was for swimming. At least that's what it feels like in training.
1: Where do you hope the sport takes you? I mean, you you are competitive and you, you talked about how you found through your struggles in puberty with swimming, like a, like a different sort of way of being balanced you know, in the way sport fits into life. So maybe it's, you know, you're not just going to go hardcore and, you know, forget about oh. live this monastic life with no friends and, and just be, <laughs> uh, swim, bike, run 24-7. But you're probably ambitious as well. I mean, uh, yeah, where could it take you? Competitive? I
0: definitely want to be a really good triathlete. Like I said, I, I see that potential with at least my mental state going into training and races. And I think that that's kind of where I fell off a bit in swimming. So I feel that potential within myself to be pretty good. And I, it's just fun for me, one, because I'd, I've never focused on anything but swimming to be really good at in the athletic space. It's still really exciting when I have a run interval workout. I'm like, woo, this is new. It's just totally different than what I was doing. So it's still new and exciting, and I want to keep it that way. But at the same time... I definitely wanna be pretty serious about competition too. So hoping to, to be a top age grouper this year, I'm, I'll say on the podcast, <laughs> goals, are, goals are only attainable if you speak them out loud. So here it is people.
1: So I wanted to check in, uh, You know, speaking of full circle um, and your vaunted ability to stay calm after chatting for however long we've been chatting, what's your nervousness level now, one to 10?
0: Mm. Uh, Probably like a four.
1: Right on. And then just to to wrap things up, you and I have talked about a little plan that we like, you know, a lot of podcasts, they they like to do. They like to have a thing. You and I are both music lovers. And so we're going to have a segment that we feature most times, maybe every time we'll see called What's Your Jam? And the question is, what is your current number one workout jam doesn't have to be your all-time favorite song something you want to you know mark your legacy as a music lover but what was your current <laughs> fave workout jam and maybe we yeah. can cue it up as the outro
0: sure that would be a lot of pressure if it was my all-time favorite song i, I don't know if anyone has an all-time favorite song it's ever changing but right now and i know i told you a different one earlier this week but Yesterday it switched. Now that's how it works. That's I know. the beauty of it. <laughs>
1: it's
0: true. And this one's like, I'm glad it switched right before the race because now this one will be like, I'll remember this time and like getting ready to, for this race. And but it's "Mood Forever" by Beyonce, featuring some other oh. people. But okay, that's what it is right now
1: right on yeah we'll see if we can clear the legal hurdles to queue that up and at least uh, at the very least put uh, a link in the show notes so you can enjoy it in future workouts this has been a heck of a lot of fun hannah i've enjoyed talking to you i think we should do it again sometime and maybe with a guest
0: maybe with a guest or two yep we'll chat with you guys in the next episode and enjoy my workout tune So unfortunately, we could not clear the legal hurdles to add my workout song in the outro of this podcast, but it is linked in the show notes for your enjoyment. If you're looking for a fire pump up happy song, look no further. Just click the link in the show notes and you will also find some more information about 80/20 Endurance to learn more about how you can train smarter for your next event. A huge thank you to you for listening to our early episodes and be sure to subscribe if you're not already. You'll hear our upcoming shows right as they drop. You'll be notified, so be sure to subscribe. And another thank you to our presenting sponsor, Inside Tracker. Matt mentioned in this podcast that I had my blood drawn before the recording, and that was so I could send my blood sample off to Inside Tracker. It was so simple. Someone actually came to my house, drew my blood, and in about two weeks, I had a very well thought out Step by step guide to how to improve my biomarkers. Um, I actually needed more iron and vitamin D if you were <laughs> curious. So, as a listener of the 80 20 Endurance podcast, you will receive 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store by using the link in our show notes and learn more about this amazing company to improve your life and live a longer, healthier life, which is great. Everyone wants to do that. We can't wait to share more episodes and guests with you. We've had some really, really great conversations. So enjoy the rest of your week and we'll chat soon.